episode of Down by Law with your host, the magnificent, the wonderful, the million dollar mouthpiece, Mr. Carol A. Gray. And I am talking about myself. I do it every time. Y'all should be used to it by now. You know, you have to be supportive of yourself. When you look in the mirror in the morning, affirmations of positivity, appreciation is what you need to fuel your success. So, you're special, you're wonderful, you're meant to be here, you're meant to change the world, and bless others. Walk out of the house with that. Look somebody in the face and say, hey, you're special too. I'm special and you're special. How about that? Does it work for you? Oh, yeah. It's like motivation. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, Down by Law, recorded here at uh, WBOK on the beautiful campus of Xavier University in Mid-City, New Orleans, uh, right here on Norman C. Francis Parkway is where we are right now. I love that. Mm-hmm. You're talking about, we talk, we're going to talk about genealogy but you know that's the study of the family tree that's history mm-hmm. you know history is important if you don't know your history you're doomed to repeat it that's the old adage and i love the fact that we have normancy parkway normancy francis parkway now Leah, it isn't that wonderful that's a special situation so we are re- we are not rewriting history we're just respecting it understanding it and changing things for the better that's important you know, Miss Brady, good morning. Good morning. Miss Brady, why don't you give everybody a little bit of rundown of who you are? I'm glad to have you back here on the show again. I'm excited to be back. I start, I'm starting to feel like this is my home now. I need to just swing by and say hello to you guys. You know why? Because you're special. Very good. There it is. And you are really, really bringing a lot of information and needed knowledge to us. And mm-hmm. I applaud you for that. I appreciate it. And I want everybody to know what you do and who you are and how that benefits mm-hmm. um, us as a people, black folks, you know? Yeah. So our mammy, our mam, is it our mammies? Mm-hmm. Our mammies. You're the CEO. CEO. Yep. I founded it 2013. You fa- 2013. And it is an amazing organization. And I want you to give us a little rundown of, of everything that you do, and then we're going to just get into the nuts and bolts of yeah. what uh, discovering the fan- family tree is all about. Finding your roots, like your boy says on uh, PBS. What's his name? Uh, uh, Henry Louis Gates. Henry Louis Gates. Mm-hmm. Professor Henry, Henry Louis Gates. So, Miss mm-hmm. Brady, tell us about um, our mammy and, and what you do. So I basically just tell it, tell African-American history stories, like literally genealogy, African-American history. If they got married. That's what I do. I literally use my own genealogy to tell the stories of Louisiana's African-American history. Uh, his African-American. I'm sorry, y'all. It's an off day. This is Black History Month. Black History Month. And you, look, you're closing <laughs> it out for us, so this is why this is such a, a profound moment. You know yeah, what I mean? And, and, and I do this, and I'm excited um, to bring this to kids now. For some reason, that demand is high. And people think that genealogy is like an old person hobby. But let me tell y'all, these kids are catching on, and they are loving it. They, um, in fact, I look forward to going back to Carver High School in a couple of weeks to teach them how to do genealogy. Um, bring them with them with you to the archives. Bring them with you to the library. Expose them. Um, just because we need to pass that information on, right? 
can't hold it to yourself. And that's what Dr. Harrell told me last night. You can't hold all of that information. You know, it's, it is it is wonderful that kids are really um, digging to, you know, discovering their roots and, and mm-hmm. tracing the family tree. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in order to know where you're going, you know, we, we, we're in the era of Black Lives Matter and, you know, things just just social equality. And you have to have a historical understanding mm-hmm. of who you are as a person individually and who your who what your family is and who your family is and who we are as a community because mm-hmm. it's all lay, it's all layered and and built upon each each one of those things that I just mentioned. And I think it for me is extremely important, especially for children and, and just adults too, because if you know who you are, you'll behave differently. Right. It's right. Gonna, it was, when you open up that door and you start looking at like, man, you know, my great grandfather was a sharecropper and then he came to the city and he, he bought a house. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. Like, wait a minute. Okay. These people weren't getting paid anything. And then now to see, you know, we're at this position now, it just changes things. Like even, um, the exercise I did with the kids when we looked at a family will and they were first saying the slaves, Oh, those were the slaves. Oh, the, the, the women were sold for this. And when I told them, that's my grandmother you're talking about. It wow. shifted the whole mood in the room because it, they went from at that moment, the slaves to, Oh my gosh, that's your grandma. You're right. talking about your fifth grade grandmother. And the question was, how did you, how do you know that? How did you find that? How do we do this? So I have to go back to them to show them how, Let's get let's get started. Let's go. Man, listen. <laughs> Down by law, 504-582-9422. I know if you guys want to call in, that's the number, 504-582-9422. We are talking to Ms. Gaynell Brady. Gaynell, you know, one of the things that I um I always think about when I think about our history mm-hmm. is that uh, we were once on a lot of a lot of black people come from ancestors who were once owned as property yes and you know i'm i'm such a i'm such a geek when it comes to mm-hmm. economics and financial freedom and uh you know tracing back the history of of black folks in america when you start talking about being owned as property and the 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 drill down fact for me that i really pull out of that is you know i go back to where we are and some of the things that we mm-hmm. suffer from economically mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. that hold us back mm-hmm. and you're talking about you know, our ancestors being owned by people who, and that was a form of wealth because you're talking yes. about, you know, it's like, it's yes. like if you own a company because these plantations were essentially corporations and yeah, companies, businesses, businesses, right? Yeah. So a part of your business is the inventory that you own and it, mm-hmm. how that produces uh, income for you mm-hmm. and how are you able to, you know, get loans from banks Absolutely. and things of that nature based upon collateral that you have. Exactly. Our people were collateral for a lot yes. of these planters and plantation owners, right? It, so, yeah. It, and it hurts when you it, see it. Man, it's 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 <laughs> it's, it's disheartening, but mm-hmm. it's enlightening to the fact that once you start to understand all these details of mm-hmm. the why, then you oh, can yeah. adjust your your approach to life, right? Absolutely. So you know you're talking about being owned as property and mm-hmm. how these people built wealth based upon that, and they used to look at you know the Civil War and all those different details and things of that nature, and, and you know how. So say, for instance, and I'm, I'm trying not to get too far afield, but I, talk, I like to mm-hmm. make sure people understand this. Slavery was a United States institution. It just wasn't yes. a Southern institution. Mm-hmm. 
They had right. slaves when, when slavery started in the United States. I when the first slaves came to the United States in I think sixteen nineteen or sixteen twenty. Mm-hmm. They had slavery as far north as Vermont. Every, I mean, if you think about it, the boat didn't just stop in the United States. That's why when we take our DNA test, we see matches all over the world. Mm. You know, when they took people from Africa, they didn't just drop them all to the United States and Louisiana in the south. Right. Oh, it's just cotton. No, we did everything. Like right. literally here, Brazil, everywhere. Everywhere. And all these, you know, that was, you know, we, we talk about, you got to, you got to put it in, in, uh, you got to put it in perspective. You start talking, you know, we got to, we had the industrial revolution, which, you know, got us to where we are in terms of mm-hmm. technological advancements and things of that nature. But in the beginning, <laughs> the 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 largest corporations of the day were farms, plantations. Mm-hmm. There, there, there were agricultural structures like sugar sugar farm, sugar mm-hmm. plantations, mm-hmm. cotton plantations. Mm-hmm. And when you start talking about okay, what happened with cotton? Mm-hmm. Cotton was produced and it was sent up north yeah. to be made into mm-hmm. clothes and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So the people up north had a vested interest yes. in slavery in the south. Of course, not to me. You said cotton, tobacco. Right. Like all of these things, all of this wealth, and you think of it like literally your ancestors built this wealth that wasn't passed on to your ancestors, but it was passed on to other people. And that's what I was talking about with the kids, like just following the money. Man. When you follow that money. Say that one more time. (laughs) Following the money. Follow the money, baby. And and it hurts. (laughs) Like you said, because your ancestors were property, you have to look at the probate records because they were property. Right. Right. And you know, so let's and we that's gonna kind of let's let's frame all of this up and let's talk about mm-hmm. how we get into, you know, the records of because for us as mm-hmm. black folks in America, we run into a brick wall a lot of times when it comes to researching our family tree because we were owned as property. Mm-hmm. So the the requirements and well, the humanity was taken out of us at that point. So it's not like you know you keep records like you know you find with with. Um, White folks, you mm-hmm. know, when you, they got marital records, they got census mm-hmm. records that acknowledged them in the 1800s during slavery. Like mm-hmm. we don't we didn't have that. We had you had slave roles. You got other different things that you have to try to dig into to figure out um, where yeah. we came from and, you know, where we started. And mm-hmm. that's that's very uh, frustrating. Right. It is. It is. But it's possible. And that's why I'm happy you brought me back here today because if I'm not going to drill any other message home this year of the 2022, 2222, whatever this is we got going on, (laughs) you can do it. Right. You can do it. It's possible. You can take the baby steps today. Literally just start building a timeline for yourself. Then start talking to like your, your elderly family members and start documenting their lives. We all have smartphones. Record those conversations. Right. You're going to need them one day. And just go from there. Once you open up, go to Ancestry.com or FamilySearch.org, type in an ancestor that was born uh, before 1940, and you've already done the first step. So, I'm, and I'm going to slow you down because we're going we're yep. to unpack all of that because it's, it's, a, it's yep. a systematic approach to, it is. to finding your family tree or finding your roots, as they like to say. <laughs> so, let's, let's talk. Let's give us some more details about what your, what your organization does. Let's just break that down first. Yeah. So what I do is I travel all over. Um, this past weekend I was in Natchitoches, Louisiana. I travel all over, um, teaching history and genealogy. I use my own family history to tell, uh, the stories. So it's not like I'm just picking like someone, like everybody talks about him. Okay. Madam CJ Walker. I'm talking about Florence Jefferson. Mm. I'm talking about just regular old black folk who lived in Louisiana 
and using their stories to help other people understand Louisiana's African-American history. And I do this because I want, even though I do have a lot of Creole ancestry um, and a lot of Creole ancestors, and I have a line that goes all the way back to the 1600s, I want people to understand, even in the rural communities, the Florida parishes, that this work can be done. So I travel there doing hands-on history. It's not just let's look at the dates. It's let's really get our fingers wet. Let's put these gloves on. Let's look at these photos. Let's examine these artifacts. Um, I really wanted to make it where it was something that kids could touch. Right. I want to put. I want you to put your hands on history. So, so through your organization, mm-hmm. you do you do seminars, mm-hmm. which um, they're interactive, like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you do larger le- lectures, so that gives mm-hmm. you know that's that's more of a, a so, somewhat of a presentation, like in college, right? Yeah. So those are more geared towards like older students or older adults mm-hmm. that have like, you know, that uh, history background. Um, but as far as younger kids, it's more hands-on. I take one simple thing and I break it down. Um, so like I may do a lesson on making a kara, which is just like taking some black eyed peas, smashing them up, putting some seasoning in them and frying them mm-hmm. and talking to them about how that uh, dish was used. And, oh, it was a snack that you could take with you put in your pocket, kind of like the rice collars that we eat here. Yeah. Um, so just taking something very complex and making it a lot easier so they can get it in bite sizes. Do you, do you, do you discuss the, um, the reasoning or the rationale behind some of those traditions? Like what you're talking about, why, why would, why would black folks do make that kind of meal? And I talk to them just based on the community that I'm in, because Mm -hmm. sometimes a lot of those kids come to the table with knowledge. So then I have to switch it a little bit. Like if I'm in a rural community and I'm talking about harvesting or growing vegetables and why that was important to have your own little farm mm-hmm. on the side of your plant, um, cabin, they understand that. Whereas in a city, sometimes I have to switch it up and say, okay, you know, black people were only allowed or enslaved people were only allowed a ration of food. Mm-hmm. And the way that they kind of like resisted was by growing their own food. Right. And in some places they were allowed to sell it. So it's uh, wrap it all in together, and sometimes I let the kids take it where we need to go. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love that because we, as a people, we are very, very creative, mm-hmm. and we always find a way of doing more with less. Right? Oh yeah, definitely. It, it's always you know for black society and black culture, we've always had our own under like side. Mm-hmm. economies right mm-hmm. so even like when you see people that you know they they do stuff they have little things that they do on the side to generate wealth yes well um we all we understand that there's an issue like we don't have access to the same things that mm-hmm. majority of people have access to on a on a on a even level mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. what do we do in response to that we create creative ways oh, yeah. of growing and supporting ourselves and pushing pushing ourselves to the next level because Ultimately, we all mm-hmm. share in the desire to accomplish the American dream. Absolutely. We just had to do it differently. Absolutely. And even from the moment we touched down, we found ways to resist. We found ways to make money. Like some plantations allowed their um, uh, enslaved people to sell their goods on Sundays. Right. And some people would Save go out and money, gather moss you, and yeah. sell the moss. So it's like we, we found ways. And even today, same thing. We can find a way to survive. It's right. in us. Right. It's in us. It's in us. 
And you know that's 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 another interesting thing. You're talking about you know making money on the side and being mm-hmm. able, you know, create. If you if you're good at a certain craft, which you know, again, right to this day, a lot of us have amazing skills in so many different areas mm-hmm. that are that had that those those skills have value. Absolutely. So what are you doing with that money? Like you want to buy a house? Same thing like back in the, during the slavery days. I want to I want to buy myself out of bondage. Mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. buy my freedom. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a you know if I'm a woodworker, if I'm a, mm-hmm. a, a a uh, uh, blacksmith or something mm-hmm. like that. If my master allows me to make money on the side, then I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm able to buy myself or buy my Absolutely. family out of uh, bondage. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand. And then on the flip side of that, going even deeper, like you're talking about the meals and things that we made, that was a way of us to, you know, fuel our, our uh, efforts during the day and do it mm-hmm. in a, in a very economical way, make Absolutely. something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. So the and the ingenuity that we've always had <laughs> has all you know is is ta- is is got us to the point to where now you know we we were able to survive in a in a uh, hostile environment from the moment we touched the soil from the moment we got here and you talk mm-hmm. you're talking about resistance right yeah when you say things like resistance people people get confused I think as it relates to black folks and slavery and we were docile during slavery we that was so it just mm-hmm. wasn't like people just getting mm-hmm. up and running away we did mm-hmm. all kind of things to passively resist yes to actively resist absolutely like i've i've heard that i've i've learned that sometimes uh like you know the work songs that we sing the, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and they turned into you know negro spirituals or whatever but mm-hmm. those were used to pace mm-hmm. the work mm-hmm. to Make sure that nobody gets in trouble, or you know. Absolutely. Think about all. Think about the the, yeah. the genius behind mm-hmm. and the collective collective efforts to take care of one another when you're in bondage. And for me, I like look at that too. Like even with song and music, like even when we cleaning up on Saturday mornings, we have the radio on. You know, it's like song and music was a, a great way of resisting because it shows that you can't break us. Right. Right. You're trying. You're trying. But you can't break us, and yeah. and for me that that's power in music, right? Like you can heal yourself with music. Mm-hmm. Um, when you hear a certain song, like everybody got that one song. When you hear it, it's like it's on, right? And you know they had those songs. They passed those songs down, even though they say we couldn't read and write. And I just want people to know that we we resisted, like you said, sometimes in a very big way. Like we revolted, we we got out, we gathered other people, and let's let's burn it down. But also remember those who said, mm, I'm going to spit in the food. Right. Mm, I'm going to put something in the food. Or, or just like, oh, I can't have kids because I took something to make sure I couldn't have kids. Just things like that. Like, I don't ever want to let people think that we were just here, just happy, docile, just sambling yeah. around town. That was not the case. Like, literally, we did. We, If you look at some of the causes of death, it, like, makes me laugh because in my mind, I know. Oh, there was some resistance going on. Like you read stories about people who did things. We were not happy to be here in those conditions. No, I mean it, it was <laughs> it was absolute despair. Yeah. You know, even even when you research the Middle Passage, you know, yeah. people jump off the ship. Absolutely. You know, all of that stuff. And but yep. that's because you know, a lot of times the people who were brought from Africa mm-hmm. were actually warriors and things of that of nature course. from from tribe. They may have lost their lost their battle or whatever, and they get sold into slavery, which if mm-hmm. you if if you think about it mm-hmm. from a, a logical standpoint, if I'm fighting another tribe, I'm not looking at that person like you know it's, it's not a black and white thing at that mm-hmm. point. Is you're part of a tribe, I'm part of another tribe. 
uh, I just defeated your tribe in battle. So I uh, captured mm-hmm. some some of your warriors. I can't mm-hmm. let them go back and fight against mm-hmm. me. I'm and they had slavery in Africa, but it, it wasn't was it wasn't chattel slavery like yeah, you find different. here in the United States. So mm-hmm. what happened was with the trading with you know Europeans, mm-hmm. that aspect of African culture, which was slavery of you know mm-hmm. conquer tribes mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. had with the Native Americans, they had Definitely. the same thing as a tribal thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was exploited, and then it became a racial. It was a racial construct that yeah. got us to where we are. So. You know, historically, we got to always keep all this stuff in, in perspective. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about people resisting, these were warriors when they got here. They oh, were yeah. fighters. But we still have warriors. To this <laughs> day, like, we still have people who are just born fighters. And we still have people that say, everything's all good. What's wrong with y'all? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, right. the only thing that's changed is the date. That's it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough, man. It's, it's like it's like you said, like, right now, you know, there are people who are saying, like, why do, why do we need to know this? That's the past. Why do we need to talk about this? Y'all, y'all, y'all need to get over this and move on. Things are better now. We're in a good spot now. You know, when I hear that kind of conversation, and I, you know, I, I, I hear it. I, I understand what mm-hmm. people are saying. You know, mm-hmm. you always want to, you always want to look at the glass like it's half full. That's just, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's the positive approach to life. Yes. But historically, you have to understand that if something is fundamentally unfair, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things the law tries to deal with is. Fairness, justice, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. justice. What's the definition of justice? Mm-hmm. So when you start talking about justice, that's mean, that means pe- treating people mm-hmm. equally, treating people fairly. Mm-hmm. If we as a people have suffered from uh, being, you know, kept in bondage and mm-hmm. kept as property and not being able to economically advance on the same level, that, that just general equality, inequality, mm-hmm. should I say, mm-hmm. you have to you have to take all that into consideration when you're dealing with the problems of our country. I agree with you. And and I guess my answer to people with that is like, if you consider your body as a tree and if you don't have a knowledge of your root system, you're going to feed the wrong thing to your tree. Your right. tree can die. So you're going to put the wrong things in your body, mm. in your mind and your tree will die because you're not feeding it what it needs to grow. Everything eats a certain thing. And if you're eating the wrong thing, you yeah. won't make it. Let's talk. Let's talk about this. So let's get into it. Right. <laughs> uh, what are some of the greatest challenges? And you, you mentioned it a little bit, but let's unpack everything. What mm-hmm. are some of the greatest challenges that that we as black folks face when it comes to researching and developing our family tree story? Honestly, I've been doing this long enough to know that the only thing that you're going to deal with is situations when you may find that when you get back to the 1860 census and you don't see your ancestors' names. And so people try to say, hey, you can't get past 1870. But it's not true because if you look, if you find your ancestor on the 1870 census, though that person was already alive. So you've already made it, you know, past 1870. And it's, it's possible, um, especially, and I love Louisiana, especially in Louisiana. When our ancestors moved, they didn't move too far. You just have to go back home. So let's let's talk about that for a moment. The 1870 census. Why is that census important? Mm-hmm. Well, that census is important because it's the first time when the federal government said, hey, you have to document every person and you listed the names, the full names, first and last names. Now, in some cases on the 1860 census, and I mean very rare cases, you will find that hey, there is a first and last name for my ancestor, but that's a very small percentage. Right. But when you get to 1870, 
everybody was documented. And, and that's 1870, you know, that was five years after the Civil War ended, mm-hmm. Civil War ended in 1865. Mm-hmm. So now the, the federal government is saying, listen, even formerly enslaved individuals mm-hmm. have to be listed on mm-hmm. the census. Absolutely. So 1870 was the the, the watershed year for, for mm-hmm. black folks being counted in the United States. Yes, that's um one of my favorite documents. Another one of my favorite documents um that's is the um World War II registration cards. Okay. And I love that um document. So again, this is just your ancestor who was like in our case, in our generation, it's gonna be our grandparents. Mm-hmm. You know, they were born in the twenties, the thirties or whatever. So you're gonna find like your grandfather, he has a World War II registration card. On that card it's gonna say where he worked. Wow. Pay attention to that. So you, now, look, you're talking about grandfather. You know, some folks, some some grandmothers are, are 40 years old. So, you mean great, great grandfather. Oh, great. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> telling like, my age. Uh-huh. No, yeah, we talk about ourselves. <laughs> uh, your great grandparents. Right. Oh, so, look, let's yes. go back a little bit. I still I want a map. I want people to have, yes. a, have a working knowledge of, of some of the some of the things, some of the parameters that they're going to have to deal with. So, we talked about the 1870 mm-hmm. census, which was the first one to count enslaved mm-hmm. people. So you got to go back and talk about too, like you had the like what happened after slavery, right? Mm-hmm. We got freed, mm-hmm. you know. People were able. We we had a lot of African American politicians based yes, upon you know some of the uh, some of the, the the rules and laws that were passed mm-hmm. after the South lost after the Confederacy lost the war mm-hmm. as they should have. They they're lost. fighting for the wrong thing, trying to keep people in bondage and treat human beings like they property. I'll anyway, say it again. They lost. They lost. They need to get. They need to get over it, right? Let's get over it. Just mm-hmm. get over. It. You lost. Stop celebrating losers. That's not how we. That's not. That's not mm-hmm. the American way. Okay. So now you got you got the free the Freedmen's Bureau. Yes. And the Freedmen's mm-hmm. Bureau savings and loans like these mm-hmm. banks. So these were institutions created to to. They were essentially social services institutions yes. for for free slaves. And in some cases, you will find um, your ancestors' names on that. It just depends on where your ancestor was located. Mm-hmm. So for me, I would say uh, beginner genealogists focus on the census mm-hmm. and get them documented from 1940 all the way back to 1870 with no gaps in the middle. So you want to look at the 1940 census, 1930, 1920, 10, and so on and so forth. You're not going to find anything in 1890 because that census was lost in the fire. Fire, yeah, yeah. But if your ancestors served in the Civil War, then you're going to find them on. There's a veteran schedule, 1890. You can find their names on there, and it tells wow. you like he was a soldier, blah blah blah, fought for the Union, that type of thing. And in fact, I think it's the 1910 census will tell you whether or not your ancestor was a Civil War veteran. Wow. So those are those are like. I like the way you. I like the way you said it. You start with you start with nineteen forty and work. It. And wait, wait, hold on. Let's tell people when the census is, uh, a census is done. What every ten years, right? Every ten years. So at some point in time, we should get the nineteen fifty census. So you guys will be able to start with nineteen fifty. That means your grandma. Wait, that's probably the grandmother. Yes. You sure? For us, that would definitely be grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. For 1940. You're inching towards my age now. But yeah, yeah. 19, 1950 will be released this year. And then so you can start, once it's released, you can start with 1950. If not, start with 1940. Go backwards. So so why why does it take so long for the government to release the census? It's census done every record. 72 years they released it. And every I, what? 72 years. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait am wait. I doing that right? So we got 1950. This is 2022. That's 72. Yeah. 
every 72 years. Right. It's, you know, it's, I guess, protecting data. So right? you can't go back and look at the 1960 or the 1970 census? For your particular family members, you could put in a request, but not. Wow. No, it's not publicly available. It's not public record right now. Mm-mm. So It's like death records, right? Like in Louisiana, um, anything under 50 years, you have to um, go to the, uh, what's that called? Department of Health and Hospitals and be mm-hmm. next to kin. But anything over 50 years, public record, you could get access to it. So that's uh, death certificates and birth records in Orleans Parish. They're available at the Secretary of State's archives. All jewels that most people don't know about. It's all there. I'm waiting on a 1971 stuff. They still haven't put it out. They're behind. But anything from like 1970 backwards, um, 1970 to like maybe early 1900s, you can find at the Secretary of State's. It's the death index. So this is this is this is family tree genealogy research one on one. I would say you, you you're giving people the broad strokes of mm-hmm. how to start. 1950 is coming out this year. Mm-hmm. You you can, so you'll be able to start in 1950. Look at those census records, which mm-hmm. which you know at, at that point we we you know American culture and society is a little bit different. It is. Uh, you know they. But I think we were still considered as. Negroes then. So don't be surprised when you see terms like yeah, that. Yeah, you're going to be, that was a Negro. You didn't get black until, until 1970. Yeah. Six, late 60s, Even on 70s. the birth certificates and death certificates, you're going to see Negro yeah. color. Uh, colored. Colored, right. Yeah. Colored, yeah. yeah. So during the 60s, 50s, 60s, you were colored. 1970, you for sure were black because it was a black power movement around that time. Black <laughs> power, baby. <laughs> so... So and that's that's that also yeah. goes to that's 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 taking control of who we are. You know, mm-hmm. that's what all of this stuff is about. Mm-hmm. So that you know, I, I was talking to somebody this morning about labels. Labels hurt. Yes. Do not put a label on me. Let me label if I wanna lay if I wanna be labeled, I'm gonna label myself. That's important. That's very important, right? That's that's again that goes back to those self affirming affirmations that I that I like to put in the atmosphere in the morning before I walk out of the house. I mean, I, I get it. Like my mom, she just she literally went from being black so now she's like, I'm a Nigerian. <laughs> and that's because of her DNA test her DNA results. Test. She's like, I'm a Nigerian. But that's I'm em- here, that's, but I'm a Nigerian. That's empowering though. Oh yeah, like, she lets grab, us know. Like knowing who you see, yes. and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit too when you start getting into DNA research yeah. because you know you actually get a chance to to know what you're made of mm-hmm. and where, where your ancestors actually came from based Knowledge. upon science like those reference points the mm-hmm. dna reference points mm-hmm. and you know that's that's important for to to gather the whole picture because if you start talking about putting together the records and things of the nature like we're like we're discussing right now yeah in america we weren't considered important enough in in the sense of history family mm-hmm. history and family name because you know your the european standard is fa- your name your family name is everything Mm-hmm. Well, we were brought here as property, so our family name and our family lineage were was stripped away. Yep. So now you're 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 trying to put together who you are based upon uh, white supremacy constructs, and, and that's that's all, that's very very difficult. And I don't want to like paint this beautiful picture, right? Even in doing some genealogy, you're going to run into some challenges. You may go to certain parishes. And go to the courthouse and try to pull up documentation on your ancestors, and they may say, "Oh, we don't have that." Right. Um. No, that's that's not available. Oh, that burned. So you're gonna run into stuff like that, but be creative. Um. You know, the black church. There's always data there. Look at those cornerstones when you visit those small towns. Um. Don't let it discourage you. There's you know multiple ways to get back as far as you can. 
Um, and then another thing you're going to have to do just because of the nature of what happened. If you find out what plantation your family was on, you have to research that owner's family as well. So I want to talk about that too. So in, in 19, well, 1860, mm-hmm. um, I want to say we were about, uh, it was like 4 million or some slaves. There were, there were more slaves, I think in, in um, the South than there were others. I, I think I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. But we were, I know we were, I know for a fact we we're about 13% of the population of the United States in 1860. And believe it or not, I think that that's some of the reason why they made it a little, little challenging to find records mm-hmm. when you're looking for them, right? Um, and it's just the way that they document it. Now, some plantation owners, they did a good job, like within their diary system. You know why? Yeah. Property insurance yes. like you get insurance you had insurance on your slaves I, yes. like i was the same like my answers was the same as a a, a hoe uh you know the the a farm mm-hmm. instrument yep so yep i'm if i'm if i'm doing like if i want insurance on my property mm-hmm. then obviously i'm gonna keep good records absolutely some of their records are just like i said impeccable like you could go in mary had a daughter named sue born on this date right and then you have others because they were smaller like when people think of plantations they think you know, these big grandeur buildings and, you know, four or 500 people. No, you got to count those little small ones too. Small with like farms, 10 yeah. people working there. Yeah. That's like mom and pop business. The same thing applies. Like mm-hmm. mom, you got mom and pops mm-hmm. nowadays and you got huge corporations. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, a lot of people don't understand that, uh, less than, I would say around 30% of, of the, sl- of the slaves were held by those large corporations. So that means that 70% were held by the mm-hmm. smaller you know, I'm mm-hmm. large plants. I'm keep saying corporations, large plantations. I think it's good that you are saying corporations I mean, because yeah, I, I it's a business. It. Yeah, I understand. It's, it's, it's like a business, and people they seem to put that aside, like this race and money. Right. Those are the two guiding factors, and right. all of those decisions made. And it's when you're looking at your ancestors, you cannot research your family without researching theirs. Absolutely. It's simply because, like you said, you have to follow the money. You have to follow. The paper trail. And that's that's a painful reality. I know it's hard for a lot of people to go back and start looking at, mm-hmm. you know, plantation roles. And you it make it brings it it brings it to the to the forefront. It makes it so real for us. You look at the plantation uh records, you look mm-hmm. at D records where people mm-hmm. are being mm-hmm. where or kids are inheriting slaves from mm-hmm. their parents, mm-hmm. all of this different stuff that you look at. And it's 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 unfortunate, it's painful, but it's it's the reality of, of, of our history in America. So you have to dig into that. And I'm gonna tell you another dirty secret that a lot of people don't understand. Like like we're talking about these plantations being corporations, but mm-hmm. they had actual real corporations like companies. Yes. Like uh you know, say I'm not saying it was GE, but a company like GE or, you know, um um DuPont and you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm places like that companies like that that actually own slaves mm-hmm. like it wasn't just like an individual plantation yep. on it was mm-hmm. like companies mm-hmm. that were created like just like we have companies now but they own slaves too universities right think about <laughs> that universities like i mean we just went through that whole wow. thing with georgetown right right they right. sold 272 people down this in this way and uh it's so talk about that a little bit so yeah. a lot of people don't know about that story yeah how georgetown like and, and that, there's like litigation and all kind of different yeah, claims being made it's a really big thing now so um georgetown university i guess they were going through some financial issues um they sold 272 people down to louisiana and they were dispersed between um iberville ascension and terrebonne parishes so again 
you were having a financial crisis and you decide to sell off people <laughs> to straighten out your bottom line. Wow. And so, again, Ooh. if we were all together at Georgetown and then we get to Louisiana, you send my mama to Terrebonne, you send my uncle to Arborville Parish, you send some cousins over here to Ascension Parish, and we're just spread out once again. And, you know, I tell people all the time, I have a lot of ancestors or, or people that I've tracked to South Carolina, North Carolina, Maryland, Virginia, right? It cracks me up inside when I sit there and look like we don't even know how we're related. Because you're like my fifth through eighth cousin. And we have to try to figure all of this out and put back together all of these pieces. And what Georgetown is trying to do now is like, hey, we're trying to reconcile all of this. And we want to work with the descendant community to try to correct this. And and start to have conversations around reparations. And it's so interesting because my father-in-law is one of the, de- the descendants of a GU-272. Yeah, that's that's because your family's from that, that area, that, mm-hmm. that, that, mm-hmm. Uh, those parishes. Yep. So here's the, here's the thing, too, that, that this is a very unique, uh, uniquely Louisiana situation. Mm-hmm. It's a reason that Georgetown sold those people <laughs> to... Louisiana, and that's the Catholic connection. Yep, and if you think about it, it's, you can't separate the Catholics from slavery, right? They they baptized them. They they it was a law, you know, in Louisiana. You can't every every entity was connected, and this is why you can't leave no stone unturned. When you go to look for your ancestors, you're going to go, go look at those baptism records. If you came, if your people came from a parish that was largely Catholic. So my dad's family, Point Capete, they had a lot of Catholic there. My mom's family, not so much. But they were involved. Make no mistake, every, every entity, every organization, businesses, universities, churches, everybody was involved. Doctors. Mm. I mean, everybody, like you said, everybody had like, is either was a really large business or a small business. Yeah. I mean, you know, that was a, that was a, a, a key wealth builder in America. You're, mm-hmm. you're getting free labor. Mm-hmm. You're paying for the property ownership, mm-hmm. but you're, you're getting free labor and that's labor. That's how you're able to mm-hmm. advance in America. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, that's, that was just the, the way it was back in the day. Mm-hmm. So you, uh, just, I mean, just for clarification, Georgetown is the oldest Catholic slash Jesuit, yeah, Jesuit mm-hmm. institution, high, institution of higher learning in the United States, and they own slaves. I mean, presidents did too, right? You can't leave them out. Again, everything was connected. Governors. Um, my family worked on a plantation that was owned by um, what's Louisiana's first governor, Claiborne, his brother. Every every entity was connected, and this is why I say you can't research one thing without the other. Even when you run into situations and you find that your family was owned by uh, a university, you better understand the history of that university. Right. You have to in order to understand how and why they move your people, where they move your people. You know, and I will say this, but one of the, one of the benefits of mm-hmm. the Catholic Church being involved is that they really did keep Really, mm-hmm. really good records. Mm-hmm. So you're able to use those, and that's why this this situation with Georgetown University and the and the uh, descendants of those slaves that were sold to Louisiana, sold in Louisiana. That's why it has so much meat on it because of the record keeping. Oh, there was another the piece of that Church. puzzle. What's that? Those people in Iberville Parish they told their history. It was passed on orally. 
oral history. That's, so that's, they they knew their history. So Georgetown was like, "Do you know who you are?" And they're like, "Yeah, we know who we are. We know we do family reunions every year." It's, it, that's the the biggest misconception. Like people don't realize that we tell those stories. We not make it like known to the public, but they mm-hmm. were they knew. That's, they knew. That's a that's a unique African trait to uh, oral mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things. Let's now let's let's go back and st- you, I know you like to get people to step by step approach to yeah. doing their research. Uh, you know, and these are we're talking about some of the broader strokes and even some of the, the nuanced details of mm-hmm. of researching your family tree, yeah, genealogy. But let's 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 talk about how it to make it really real. The first step is always starting with yourself, right? You have to. Who's your mom? Who's your dad? Mm-hmm. Uh, who's your grandma? Who's mm-hmm. your grandmother? I mean, grandfather. Mm-hmm. And you got to go talk to those folks. Yes, and you write it down. Write it down because after a while, once you start talking to a lot of different people, you're going to start to forget details. Um, and then after that, open up that ancestry, open up familysearch.org and start typing those names in and see what comes up. And then, like you said, um, you, I would recommend talking to the elderly people, but also talking to younger people in your family too, because at our age, well, my age, I'll do, I'll just use my age. At my age, a lot of people um, are gone. Right. So I'm left with those people who are born in the 40s and the 50s. Uh, all everyone that's born in the 20s and 30s, they're gone. But some of the people who were born in the 60s may have talked to the ones born in the 20s and 30s. Right. And, and the reason why I want to tell you guys to start now, especially if you're young, because you is a, is a larger chance that your people are still here. Whereas the older you get, the less people you have around you that know about your family history. Right. Um, and and people say, why do I want to do this? Simply because, again, you have to know who you are. Once you know who you are, you are unstoppable. Nobody can label you as anything. Again, you, my mom, I'm a Nigerian. First. <laughs> first and foremost, I'm that. You know, you can't. And once you learn this, it's something nobody can ever take away from you. Right. So, look, and another thing, too is, all right, you start with yourself, you start with your immediate family mm-hmm. members, your mom, your dad, your grandmother, your grandfather, mm-hmm. whoever else is around, aunties, uncles, mm-hmm. who can give you, um, like, the the data to yes. start yes. doing all of this stuff. And the next step is what? Like, I, I hear a lot of people say you start gathering family information like Bibles and birth certificates and all of that jazz. If your grandma was somebody that documented stuff in the Bible, you could take a look in it. It's a possibility. Um Get the Bible, look in there, see if there's some more information on maybe marriages, um, uh, childbirth, baptisms, that type of stuff you're going to find in the Bible. Um, you can also, too, follow your, if your family's been involved in the same church for multiple generations, mm-hmm. follow the church history, too. Um, that 1940 census is going to be the thing to get you started. Once you find, and after talking with someone, and you find someone, one of your grandparents born before 1940, once you locate them on that census, make sure you look at every single detail. Look at who's in the household with them. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you have a grandmother living in a household with mama and husband. Um, look at where they say their parents right. were born. Because yeah. that's when you're going to start to see how your family moved about from one state to another. Right. And that's, you know, that's all fascinating stuff to see it in, in black and white, mm-hmm. you know, you you look besides your you find your relatives on the nineteen forty census and then you look you know it shows their their race obviously uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, place of birth, mm-hmm. you know, Where occupation, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So it's really fascinating when you start to get that information and pit, bid and piece things together because you you tend to you tend to find out a lot of times that the stuff that you're into that's been passed down from without even being trained and taught is just something that you're you. naturally attracted to. Attracted it's in to. you, and even like on my dad's side of the tree, like we literally saw generation after generation of engineers, carpenters, builders, engineers, carpenters, builders, and that's what my dad is, and that's what my brother is, and that's what my son is. Mm. All builders. Like, my five-year-old just can build things instinctively. That's amazing. He came. He was born with that. It's in his DNA. And there are some people, when they cook a certain dish, it makes you want to bite your fingers. Mm-hmm. But when you go back and you look in and you're seeing, like, oh, wow, my, my great-aunt owned a restaurant? What in the world? That's crazy. You know, and that's the that's the reason why I want people to look back. I remember I showed one of my cousins. He's into engineering. He couldn't understand where this was coming from. And I showed him on the 1880 census. I said, look. This is your four great grandfather. He was an engineer on a plantation. Wow. You know, wow. and that's to me is a big deal to that's, see. That's legacy, man. That's family legacy. It's Absolutely. Like, you know, people have always, I, I used to always look at like when I became a lawyer, like mm-hmm. there was some people who were like third and fourth generation lawyers. Yeah. Like why? Why did you become there? Why? Did, because it was something that your family did for a long period of time. But for us, we didn't have those same, we couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, society didn't allow us to follow in those same same uh, pathways a lot of times. But mm-hmm. once you started, like you're talking about, look at what people actually did or what they were passionate about. There it is. Then you'll find out, you know, how that lines up with who you are as a person and discovering yourself again is mm-hmm. the most important thing. So let's, let's go to, let's, let's talk about unpack a little bit when you are, you setting up these interviews with your, your relatives, what do you want to ask them? And how do you, like you said, you want to record it, which mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I completely 100% agree with that. You need to take mm-hmm. it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do, what do you want to ask? What questions do you, do you need to ask to further your journey? And let me uh, give you some advice here. So once you find that relative that's born in 1940, go find that census document and bring it with you mm. to talk to someone. And the reason why I say that, because a lot of times people forget. Um, a lot of times they need a reminder. A mm. lot of times something is so painful they don't want to talk about it. So you may be left researching on your own until you start to find gaps. documents. Yeah. And um, even with my dad, I would ask him stuff, and he wouldn't remember it right away. But if I brought him a document, like an obituary, and I will say, like, Dad, who is um, who is Rebecca Clifford? He's like, oh, that's my dad's mom. Like, they can recall things if you give them a little bit. And um, so just asking them questions like, hey, you know, do you know where you were born? Do you know where your mom was born? What do you know about your grandmother? Um, where were they born? Did we always live there? Did you? Can you tell me something about, like, uh, where Grandpa worked? Or did you know who Grandpa, you know, who was Grandpa? Or why wasn't Grandpa there when he left? You know, that kind of thing. Um just you, you want to ask probing questions that will allow them to talk, not yes and no questions. You want to use more open-ended questions. And um, you may also just talk about events of the time, like, hey, so I know World War II happened. Did your dad fight in World War II? What about a brother? What about, you know, Vietnam? Did anybody fight in that? Like, start to asking questions that they'll answer or tell me about, um, you know, the Seven Wars when you were, like, six years old. Like, is it the same? Just to get them talking and get them remembering um, what their life was like and what other, what they heard about other people. Right. And you know, one of the things too, um, you always got to take in consideration, you know, census is a government document. 
Um, the way the way it's done, they hire people to go out and do these interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, you you got to also understand that back in the day, twenties, thirties, forties, racism was was pervasive. Oh yeah, more so than we even see like on a just like in oh, your yeah. face kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you gotta you gotta you have to um, take a comprehensive approach in terms of knowing knowing that those some like you you're dealing with people. A lot of times you're dealing with families. Families where the names like people you don't you don't know somebody's government name in your family it may just be a nickname like mm-hmm, for your great grandma mm-hmm. maybe me my me my sonny mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, what yeah. is me my sonny's real name? What was the name that the census taker had down mm-hmm. for her? So you, you're dealing with nicknames. You're dealing with sometimes from the census standpoint mm-hmm. inaccurate records. Well, and I have to add data. this in too. You have to first of all one thing I would recommend is looking at the instructions for that census year that you're looking at. The second thing is pay attention to who was a census taker. Right. Because it was all the requirement was you had to be white, a white, white male, male from the yeah. community. Yeah. And so if your family, like basically if that, if that person really knew your family, so you'll see stuff like black one time, then you'll see mulatto. Right. And it's so funny because if you look at the instructions, they'll say, do it like based on how they look. Mm-hmm. But if that census taker really knows your family, depending on how the attitude of that person, I'll right. say that. Um, you're, you're going to find little deviations. You may find something that doesn't match what you were told. And I even talked to the kids about death certificates like that. Like we have a lot of cases in the early, um, 1900s, late 1800s of lynching. So when you see like, um, that stuff from the 1920s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, they'll say the cause of death is one thing, but your family, the um, history is something different. Gonna, it tells a real story. It tells the real story. Right. So trust the family history with stuff like that, simply because you're dealing with people who are playing with data. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you think that that's independent information. We start talking about government records. But again, you know, that's not always the case. But mm-hmm. so you got to you have to compare both both of those together. You have to mm-hmm. look at them both both together. And the next thing you want to do, like once you once you start, like you talked about a little bit Mm -hmm. earlier in terms of the limitations on the census data, Mm -hmm. because it's not public record. You want to start requesting all of that documentations from from the county and the state and mm-hmm. all of that jazz. So yeah, uh, at some point you'll start to uh, request death certificates. You'll um, do birth records. You'll do um, in Orleans Parish if your ancestors were in Orleans Parish. You'll have access to that more likely than in some of the rural parishes because they weren't required. I think until like nineteen eleven, nineteen twelve. Mm. You didn't have to have a birth certificate. Um, you also the other thing that I forgot to mention is two more key pieces for African Americans: obituaries, um, and you can get that through your local library or through Genealogy Bank, which is a website that's like the older newspapers. And then again, you don't want to count out those black newspapers, right? Oh yeah, not without without question. And even like going through and looking at the articles and the news clippings and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. I, we found a uh, we found a. Uh, article on one of my great grandfathers who he was he was he, he liked to he liked to hunt right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so uh he somehow killed a bobcat or something like that was wow. that was pretty unique so the newspapers came out and did a, a piece on him so finding stuff like that mm-hmm. is always amazing and thrilling so it's like you're looking for an it's a it's a journey and, yeah. you know the journey of discovery so when you find these different things they're, they're points of uh mm-hmm points of pride and things of that nature. Absolutely. So you just got it, you know, and it's, it's like you said, I, I like what you said earlier before we got on air in terms of, 
you know, it's not so much about you doing it for people. It's mm-hmm. you showing them how to do it, That's it so they can they can experience the journey on their I, own. I want you to experience the ups and downs. Right. Like people email me all the time asking me questions. They're like, hey, I did this. I did that. What should I do next? And I don't mind answering those emails like, hey, you need to go pull this document up. And I did this um this past weekend in Akadish. Like I literally showed this lady. She had no knowledge of her family history other than her grandparents and great-grandparents. And in a matter of an hour, I walked her all the way back to 1789. Wait, you know what? You said <laughs> something. When were, when were birth certificates legally required? What um, year? 1911, 1912. Think about that, man. <laughs> they And they, that's when they were legally required. I yeah. mean, everybody was doing them because you had no. people being born at home. Of course. They weren't going to get, Midwives. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They weren't going to – they weren't getting mm-hmm. legally um, – documented birth certificates and things of that nature. They may have written down in the family Bible yeah. or at the church on the church records, but yeah. in terms of you going able, being able to pull that document, if somebody was born in rural Louisiana. And that's the thing. And that's what I told her. Like you're, you're not going to find a birth certificate for this person, but you, I did show that your ancestor owned land right? So because he owned land that's recorded somewhere. That's, that's the cross references you, because you know, here's the thing about <laughs> yep. the, the government they want their money, so and, oh, when, yeah. when, and if anything is going to generate taxes, you yeah. can go back and start looking at yeah. those records. And that's why I gave her homework assignment. Go pull up the death certificate so you can prove this is your ancestor and go find out what happened to that land. Wow. That's some amazing, powerful stuff, man. Listen, yeah. you know, we can talk about this for hours, mm-hmm. but guess what? The show is over. It always goes by so quickly. So fast, right? Especially when you just like you're, you're vibing and talking about um, mm-hmm. like wonderful information. But I want, this is what I want you to do. Give everybody your contact information. Yes. So you can um, check out my website at ourmammies.com. Uh, email me at ourmammies at gmail.com. You can call me or text me at 504-264-2353. Um, or hit me up on social media because a lot of people send me questions through there. They drop me documents and say, hey, I can't understand this writing. You you understand what this is? And I help because I, I want you to take that journey. Hit them with the social media media sure. handles. So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Our Mammies, O-U-R-M-A-M-M-Y-S. What do you have coming up this summer for kids? So I'm going to be at um, summer camps all over. Uh, usually I do like the North Sea Summer Camp at Desire Community Center, I'm going to be doing some programs uh, for Jefferson Parish Library. I always do something uh, for New Orleans Public Library, virtual or in person. But um, summer camps can also call and book me. I do have some spots available. If I can uh, move around my work schedule, I will to accommodate the kids. That's wonderful. Uh, Gaynell, we appreciate you coming again. I appreciate y'all having me. Appreciate you talking to the people. Uh, This is Down by Law. We'll be back next week. Thank you guys for listening. Goodbye. Follow.